Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Hey, if you have your Bibles this morning, let's go to the book of Philippians, all right? The book of Philippians chapter number one. The book of Philippians chapter number one. We're going to take several weeks throughout the summer, and we're going to talk about the book of Philippians together because I want you this summer to be able to have the best summer ever and to live life to the fullest, to the fullest. Listen, Christian people ought to be, listen to me, the happiest people in the entire world. Uh, Christian people ought to be the most excited people in the entire world. Why? Because we are the only people walking around with any hope. Uh, Christian people are the only people that know what the future holds. We know who's holding the future, and we can rest in the fact that God is in control. But, But you see, here's the problem. A lot of times, Christians are not that. A lot of times Christians have problems having the correct spirit. Why? Because they've gotten their get-out-of-jail-free card and they're thankful they don't have to go to hell. But they haven't started to nurture the spirit of Christianity. They haven't started to nurture the relationship that only Christ can bring. And the problem with a lot of Christians is, man, they're so thankful, and a lot of, a lot of churches even do this. They'll, they'll bring people in, and they'll build them up, and they'll get them all excited, and they'll, they'll attract them with different things, and then they'll just send them out no better than when they came in. And they didn't nurture in those people what the fullness of life is, and that is a confidence and a love and, a, and a, an assurance that Jesus is in control. And so here's the summer we're going to do this together. We're going to look at what is the fullness of life, the fullness of life, because we're going to have the best summer ever together. So in the book of Philippians, Paul's writing to a group of people, and he's writing to this church at Philippi. It's a church that he loved very dearly, and we'll get into that in just a minute. And let's read together, would you, the first six verses of the book of Philippians. The Bible says this, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons. So he's just giving some greetings to some different people in that first verse. And then in verse number two, he says, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine with, with you, all making requests with joy. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident in this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Father, Lord, we thank you for this passage of scripture. I pray that we would do it justice this morning as we look at it together. And Lord, I pray that as we go throughout the summer months, we would be able to live our life to the fullest. And that it wouldn't just be a summer full of fun and exciting activities, although those things are all going to happen in each one of our lives. I pray that we would go deeper in the Word of God and with our Savior Jesus Christ than we ever have before. 
And that even in a time of uncertainty, as a church, we would take to the bank the certainty of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We would allow that to unify us in a way that's never unified us before. And Lord, I, I pray this for all of us this morning, that we'll be able to take one thing away from this message that will help us in the week ahead. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. amen. In 1876, a painting called The Spirit of 76 was released at the Centennial Exhibition Celebration in Philadelphia. I think you guys have a picture of that painting. Most of you will probably recognize. Anybody ever seen this painting before? Most of you probably recognize this painting. This was a painting that was depicting of the American Revolution. This painting, when it was originally painted, was 8 feet wide and 10 feet tall. It was a massive painting. It was painted by Archibald Willard, and he wanted it to be an incredible display of power and of freedom and of independence and of remembrance. He wanted to typify and communicate what it meant to be free. I see the elderly man. This is as he writes, as he's uh, painting this painting. He says, I see this elderly man playing the drum as an older man who is tired of fighting in the revolution. I see the young man with the flute as someone who is hungry for the future. I see the man waving the flag as someone who is bold and unashamed about what took place during the war for independence. See, this painting, it made a lasting impact. In fact, this painting resurfaced around World War II, and they even used it once again to push the propaganda or the, the wartime propaganda here in America for that American spirit and that American soldier spirit that we all needed at that time. And this spirit of 76, man, it resonated with a generation. I was, um, my parents were in town to visit me this week. Well, they weren't in town to visit me. They were in town to visit my kids. But they were still in town. And so they came to my house, and uh, we had a great time with them. My parents uh, moved up from Florida. They came to my house for a couple of days. And so on Thursday afternoon, we said, we're going to take some time and go over to Philadelphia because my, my mom and dad's never been to Philadelphia. So we took them over to Philadelphia, and uh, we, 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 we parked right by Independence Square, and we got out, and we started standing in line for the Liberty Bell. My dad's always wanted to see the Liberty Bell. And so I'm standing there by the Liberty Bell on this line, and I'm, I'm looking out at this big field, and on one end you've got, you know, the Independence Hall, and the other pen, on the other end you've got the Constitution Center, and you've got the President's House right there before you get into the Liberty Bell. And I'm thinking to myself about what probably transpired right here in front of my eyes and what probably happened maybe even on the spot that I was standing there in line to get into the Liberty Bell. I, I thought about those men that were called the founding fathers that started our country and the spirit that they must have embodied. You know, I, I bet you if you would have met these men, you would not have talked to them for very long without hearing about their ideas and their, their goals for America. I bet you would have seen them as people that were bold and unashamed about what they believed, this revolution from tyranny, this revolution from taxation. They, they wanted a change, and they embodied a very interesting spirit. And as I stood there, man, I was moved because I knew what I was preaching this morning, and I thought to myself, you know, there is a spirit that every believer in Jesus Christ ought to embody. And if these folks that were fighting for independence, is it a good thing? Yes, absolutely. We, we benefit from it today. But how much greater than independence is the gospel of Jesus Christ? And how much greater than independence is the hope for the future? But yet some of us oftentimes 
We allow our, our desire, a pure desire for independence and political gain to, 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 to mirror or, or shade us from what God is trying to let us do and what God is trying to help us with. And listen, if you're more excited to be an American than a Christian, you've got it backwards. And although they have some good things here that they, we can learn from them, how much more this morning I want to learn from the Apostle Paul, the spirit that every Christian ought to embody. Because I believe as Apostle Paul wrote to the church of Philippi, he embodied that spirit in the first six verses of Philippians. The church of Philippi, you can read about it in Acts 16. I actually encourage you to do that this week. But in Acts 16, you see the events of the church of Philippi unfold. And as some of these stories may be familiar to you. Some of you may have never heard them before, but the church of Philippi started in a very interesting way. Paul was called to go and preach in Philippi, and then when he got there to preach in Philippi, he was thrown in prison for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he was preaching with his buddy Silas, and the two of them together were in prison. And some of you may know the story about how that night that they were in prison, and they were encouraging themselves in the Lord, and they were singing praises to the Lord, and an earthquake happened in the prison, right? And the, the doors of the prison fell off. And at that time, if you were the guard guarding the prison, if your prisoners were, were escaping or set free during your, your watch, you'd be immediately executed for not doing your job. Aren't you thankful we don't have those rules today? Man, I didn't get the PO done. Please don't kill me, you know, Steve. Um, listen, so those things happen, right? So, so Paul and Silas come out, and, and uh, they're, they're like, no, 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 please, 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 don't kill yourself, don't kill yourself. And then he looks at these men who he saw the differences, and this man says to them, sirs, what must I do to be saved? In that moment, the, they share the gospel with him, and he was saved, and his house was saved. And then later on, we hear another story about Philippi, about this lady named Lydia, who literally at the time was a witch. She was somebody who practiced witchcraft. She was somebody who was demon-possessed. And Paul came to this person and through the power of the Holy Spirit cast out a demon in her life. And not only was she saved, her whole family was saved. And now starts the church at Philippi. A jailkeeper working for the government and a lady who a demon was cast out of. Boom, church. Wow. And so Paul very dearly loved this church because it was full of people who were hungry for the word of God. It was full of people who literally had their lives turned upside down and transformed by the gospel. And he had a dear love for this church. And so as he brings the word by the power of the Holy Spirit to this church, he, I believe, embodies the spirit that we must all believe today. Because here's what I know. God wants all of us to embody the spirit of Christianity in our interactions, in our attitudes, and in our outlooks. God wants us to embody the spirit of Christianity in our interactions, our attitudes, and our outlooks. So five things very quickly this morning that I believe resonate with the spirit of Christianity. Number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, in this passage, we see the spirit of well wishes. The spirit of well wishes. In verse number two, the Bible says this, that the grace and peace be with you. I think you guys have that verse there. Grace and peace be with you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. So right off the bat, Paul writes to this church and he says, okay, grace be to you and peace be to you. Those are the things that typify well wishes. Listen, as Christians, we ought to wish grace and peace on everyone in our life. There's two types of grace I think he was looking at here. Number one, it's the grace that, that we all get. 
It's the grace that we all get. The Bible says this, that the grace of God bringeth salvation, and it appears to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we must live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. The grace of God brought salvation to all of us. If you're saved, say amen. His grace brought salvation to all of us. Why? Because we learn in Ephesians that it's only by grace that we're saved through faith and not of ourselves. It's a gift from God. See, this grace was shown in the sacrifice of God on the cross. God came, he suffered, he died on the cross and rose again the third day, not so that he could say, man, I'm so glad I did that. No, but so that he could extend grace to a lost and dying world. Because the moment Adam decided to sin, he said, I- I'm going to sin, I'm going to eat this fruit. And the, the moment Eve decided to sin, I'm going to eat this fruit. Now, now all of eternity from that point on is separated from God. And so there was no other payment that could be made except for a perfect sacrifice. And that was the picture of the grace of God in Jesus Christ who came, suffered, and died, rose again so that we could be free. And listen, folks, he makes it very easy for us. He says, all we have to do is confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, and that moment you shall be saved. Why? Because that's grace. Grace is something we don't deserve. And that grace is available to all of us. The grace of God has appeared to some men. No, 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 no. To the select men, to the elect men. No. To all men. So every single one of us can receive. But here's what Paul was talking about. Number two, not only the grace that we get, but also the grace that we give. The grace that we give. See, this is where it gets a little challenging. Because all of us like to receive grace, right? Oh, thank you so much for being so gracious to me. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. But the moment we have to give grace, eh, they don't really deserve it. That's kind of hard. I don't really agree. Man, we love to, to, to gather it up, and man, it's getting really quiet in here. I know I'm touching on something. <laughs> we, we love to gather it up and keep it in our bag, right? But the moment we got to take some out of our bag and, and push it out to other people, man, that's when it gets a little uncomfortable. But if we're going to be people that embody the spirit of Christianity, we must be grace givers. Look, I'm here to tell you today that you've got to have grace in your heart for people that don't act like you, think like you, look like you, smell like you. Maybe they even don't even like the same football teams as you. Maybe they don't even like the same Netflix shows as you. Maybe they don't even like, maybe they don't even like the color blue. I love the color blue. How could you not? But yet we have to have grace for differences. We've got to have grace for people that don't see it our way. And what Paul is saying to this church at Philippi, listen, Paul, a prophet, somebody who knew the Lord very, very well, was saying to a bunch of baby Christians, man, grace be upon you. Why? Because I know you're learning and growing, and I know you're still working some things out. And listen, there's some seasoned Christians here in this room that need to sprinkle their life with a little more grace. And there's some baby Christians in this room that need to accept the grace of God on a daily basis and remind yourself that, man, none of us have got it together. All of us are imperfect. Every single one of us are sinners. So you deserve just as much grace as I do, and I deserve just as much grace as you do. And if we're going to be people that embody the Spirit, we've got to be people that give grace. Man, we're, 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 in a, we're in a time right now where this church needs a lot of grace. Why? Because we're about to find a new pastor. 
And you know, that pastor, can I just, whew, I'm going to tell you something right now. He's going to do some things differently. He might, he might change the carpet in here from red to brown. Hopefully he doesn't change it to orange. That's the important thing, right? You know, he, you know what he might do? He might come in here and he might change the service time. He might come in here and he might say, guys, from now on, we're not going to meet inside anymore. We're going to go back to meeting in the parking lot because I thought that was a lot of fun. I heard about that. And you know what you need to do to this next pastor? Man, you need to give him a ton of grace. He doesn't know any of you from Adam. And you're going to come in here and know everybody and it's going to be the same for you. But this guy's going to come in lost. And he's going to need a whole lot of grace. His kids are going to need a lot of grace. His wife is going to need a lot of grace. And you need to start now determining, man, you know, it doesn't matter what this guy does. He is the person that God has set up as the leader in this church. And I'm going to follow what God has done in his life. And I'm going to give him a lot of grace because hopefully one day when I need it from him, he'll give it to me too. It's not only grace, but number two, he says grace. He also says peace. This is the second part of the well wishes. He says peace, this freedom from disturbance and, and tranquility. Paul wishes peace upon these people. I've, I've not lived here long. I think uh, this month is like 19 months that I've lived here, 20 months, something like that. But I've noticed something about, about South Jersey people. There's not a lot of peace here. I mean, Black Horse Pike? <laughs> Like, it's just, there's no peace. Everybody is just in such a hurry to do things, and we got to get this done, and like, why isn't it already done? And, and there's just this, there's just this just tension in your life all the time. And you're just always on to the next thing, and it's like, we can never just stop and enjoy the moment and just have a little peace in your life. Can I tell you something? If you're a person of peace, you will attract others to peace as well. See, I believe Paul wished these people grace and peace leading off in this thing because he wanted to know, look, guys, I got no problem with you, and I really want you to enjoy this letter you're about to read. I heard this said recently, and it's so true. Hurt people hurt people. Frustrated people frustrate people. Angry people anger people. Can I tell you this this morning? Peaceful people bring other people to peace. And if you were to evaluate your life this morning and look at all the relationships that are there, your spouse and, and your kids and church relationships and work relationships and, and different things like that, would you say that those relationships are marked by an attitude, a spirit of peace? Or are you constantly in this spirit of Man, I just got to get my way. I got to get it done. Does that mean hard things aren't going to happen? Absolutely not. Does that mean, does that, mean that it's all going to be great and wonderful? No, 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 no. But the thing to remember is at your core, the spirit of Christianity embodies what Jesus was. And Jesus was always a person of grace. And he was always a person of peace. Number two, we see this together. Not only the spirit of well wishes, but we also see the spirit of reflection. Spirit of reflection. The Bible says, as it continues, it says, I thank my God 
upon every remembrance of you. Now, we're good at this here, aren't we? Like, this was really fun last week to be able to take some time, and we saw some slides up on the screen, and, and there was a lot of cool history that we were able to see. And we're good at remembering the past, aren't we? We're really good at reflecting on the goodness of God. And Paul said, as he reads this scripture, he says, man, I'm thanking my God upon every remembrance of you. And I, I imagine Paul, as he is writing, he's thinking about the new converts that he led to Jesus of Philippi. And he's thinking about that jailer that his family is now saved. And he's thinking about Lydia and how her family saves. And he's thinking about his dear friend Silas and how much fun it was to preach with him. And man, Paul's having all these wonderful, wonderful memories. Man, we got a lot of good memories to reflect upon in our lives, don't we? Think about the day your kids were born. Man, what a special day, right? Those days for me are not that far in the past, but Man, I remember such a special day. When Roman was born, it was a snowstorm. Like, we went to the hospital at 4 o'clock in the morning. We got to the hospital, and then about an hour and a half later, it just started snowing, and it did not stop the entire day, February 18th. It was that day that we got about, you know, 10, 11 inches of snow last, last winter. But I'll never forget that day. Why? Because it's good to reflect on how good God took care of us through all of those things. We're, we're good as a church at reflecting. Listen, I wasn't here for like a month when I started hearing about Holiday House. I mean, like, I was here for a month. Oh, yeah, we got Holiday House. Like, we used to do Holiday House. That was, I have shelves in my garage this morning because of Holiday House. So thank you for Holiday House because I'm thankful for the shelves I have in my garage. But you would reflect on Holiday House and all those good times, right? And why, why do we do that? You new Christians in the room, you reflect on how very recently you had a, a moment of transformation and a moment of baptism and a moment that you started your journey with Christ, and you reflect on that. Why did Paul say, man, I thank my God for the remembrance? Because when we remember, when we have a spirit of reflection, it allows us to have the assurance for the future. And when we look at, look, man, God has always taken care of us God has always been on our side. God has always, step by step by step, showed us the way. Oh, there is so much grace and peace that we can sit on. Why? Because we know that the reflection that we're having is a reflection of the goodness of God. And listen, I don't know what the struggle is that you're going through this morning, the, the marriage problem or the, the health issue. I don't, I don't know it. But, but I do know this. If you remember what God's done for you, he will do it again. And you are on the side of the winners this morning if you're trusting in Jesus Christ. Number three, he shows us this. Not only the spirit of well wishes and not only the spirit of reflection, but number three this morning, he shows us the spirit of prayer. If you believe prayer changes things, say amen. amen. Man, I love to pray. I really do. I, I enjoy just spending time in my basement praying to the Lord. I'm very systematic with my prayers. I, I like to do the same routine every single day. But Paul wrote to these people and he said, man, every prayer that I pray for you, I pray with joy. That's the next verse there. Every prayer that I pray for you, every request I make with joy. Let me tell you something. If we're going to be people that embody the spirit of Christianity, we have got to be people of prayer. 
The Bible says this, praying always for all things with all prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Pray in season and out of season. Pray without ceasing. And listen, prayer starts, but it never ends. We need to be in a continual spirit of prayer to the Lord. Why? Because the only way to get to the throne room of God and hear from your heavenly father is through a season of prayer. And we must, listen folks, we must be people that pray for one another in this season. We must be people that embody this spirit of prayer for one another. Every Monday, the staff, we haven't done this for the last few weeks just because of vacations and turnover and all those things, but every Monday as a staff, we get together and we look through all the names of the people at the church and we say this person was there and this person was missing and this person's going through an illness and this person just lost a loved one and we kind of separate those up amongst the staff and we'll take time throughout the week and pray for all those folks and many of you might have even gotten a card from us that says, hey, we missed you Sunday or praying for you this week and we'll, we'll send those out. Why do we do that? Is that just because, man, we just, we just, we just, you know, we wanted to take an hour, two hours to do that? Well, we did, but we do that because we believe in the power of prayer. We do that because we believe as a staff, if we will set the tone in the leadership and say, look, we're praying for you, you guys better be praying for each other. Why? Because prayer changes things. Listen to me this morning. Do you have a problem with somebody? Do you have an issue in a relationship? Do you have a a burden that's just been there about a brother that needs to get saved or a sister that needs to get saved? Let me ask you a question. When's the last time you took a real season and just prayed for them? When's the last time that you really stepped back and evaluated, Lord, am I going to the throne room on a regular basis so that you can fill me up so that I can help fill other people up? And Paul says in this passage, he says, look, every prayer that I pray for you, I have prayed with joy. Listen, I pray for people in this church that I've never even met before. Why? Because they are my brother and sister in Christ, and I want the best for their lives. Now, look at this last part. It says, not only did I pray for you, but I prayed for you with joy. See, here's the thing that we often do. Lord, I just pray that you would be with Susie, and I pray you'd be with her attitude. She just has such a bad attitude, and you know what, if she would just get that fixed, I'd be so much happier, God. And Lord, I pray you'd be with my neighbor, and Lord, I just pray that you'd help them to have the finances to buy a lawnmower, because I'm tired of looking at their weeds. And God, I just, man, Lord, I just, I just pray they just got that new car, and I pray the engine would go out, because I didn't get that new car. Now, I, I'm being funny, I'm joking, but in all reality, listen, he says he prays these prayers with, with joy. So what does that mean? Paul's not sitting there praying, Lord, change them. He's saying, Lord, bless them. Because when you pray, you don't pray change the circumstance. Change the person. What you do, you say, Lord, teach me what I need to learn. Grow in me where I need to grow. Why? Because none of us got to figure it out. Every single one of you, and myself included, have room for growth. And Lord, in the meantime, as I'm working through this process, I pray you'd bless those that are around me. And I pray you'd fill them up. And Lord, I pray that you would help them to be protected. And oh God, I pray for these sisters and brothers in the church that they would know of the gospel. And Lord, I pray for the blessing upon their family. And over and over, we're just going to the Lord in prayer every single day. Why? Because Christian people need to embody the spirit of prayer. 
Number four this morning. Not only the spirit of well wishes and not only the spirit of prayer and the spirit of reflection, but number four this morning, Paul continues to write and he says, you guys need the spirit of unity. Spirit of unity. Look what Paul wrote in the next verse. Would you put that up there? Paul wrote this in the next verse as he talks about about unity. He says, I'm remembering and I'm thankful for your fellowship. Read the next three words with me. In the gospel. Read them again. In the gospel from the first day until now. Now, there's a lot in this verse, and we're going to unpack it very quickly. But here's what I want you to know, the foundation for this point. Here's what I want you to know, the, the, the springboard for this point, okay? Christian people ought to be the most unified people in the world because we're going to spend the rest of our lives together. Listen to me this morning. Christian people ought to be the most unified people in the world because we are going to spend the rest of our lives here and there together. So, so how do we do that? How do we continue to be unified? I was, recently I was watching the, um, the Vegas Golden Knights play. How many of you like the Vegas Golden Knights? Anybody in this room? I might be the only one. That's okay. I'm a proud Vegas Golden Knights fan. And so the Vegas Golden Knights were playing this week, and uh, they played the Avalanche. And so it's the Stanley Cup Finals, and they, they played the Avalanche. It was a fantastic game. They won the game, and they advance, and so they're in the semifinals. They're playing the team from Canada this next week as they continue in the Stanley Cup Finals. And, man, I'm excited. I'm really excited about the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, let me see here. Does anybody watch the Phillies? Anybody watch the Phillies? Okay, so you watch the Phillies. Anybody watch – has the Phillies and Cubs played yet? Elijah, you would know. They haven't played yet. So anybody, anybody ever been to a Cubs game? So you may have been a Cubs game. You've been to a Cubs game. I've been to a Cubs game. I like the Cubs. I think that's a pretty cool team, and they didn't win for a long, long time. And then they won a few years ago, and that was great. And I enjoy watching the Cubs. But, you know, when I go to these games, I'm usually there with 20,000, 18,000, 50,000 people that I don't know. Usually my wife goes with me or I go with a friend, and, you know, we'll be sitting there together. But there's something about being in that arena that just unites the people that are there, Right? Especially when you went to a Vegas game. My wife and I were living in Vegas uh, in 2017 when the Vegas Golden Knights had their inaugural season. And so it was very, very special to us at the time. And it was our first pro sports team in our city. So it was very, very special to us. And so we started going to some, we went to one of the games and it was fantastic, a lot of fun. But one thing that I thought was interesting was that as they sang the national anthem at the Golden Knights game, this lady or man, whoever it was, would be singing this beautiful ballad of gave proof through the, and then the whole stadium, night! And we didn't talk about it before we got to the game. It just kind of happened. And we were like, oh, I guess that's what we're supposed to do at the games. And when I was at a Cubs game, a couple years ago, I was at a Cubs game with my friend Thomas, and every single time the Cubs would get a home run, the stadium would erupt in this thing that I'd never heard before. Go Cubs, go. Go Cubs, go. Hey, Chicago, what do you say? Cubs are going to win today. And they just, it just happened. Nobody texted me before the game and said, hey, when we get a home run, we're, we're doing a Cubs thing. I was like, oh, okay. It just happened. Nobody said, hey, uh, when the national anthem comes on and the word night comes, say night. No, it just, it just happened. Why? Why did it happen? Look at me. Why did it happen? Because there was a group of people that all were united around a common cause, and you did not need somebody continually telling you what to do to know how to act. It just became who we were at that time. And we were united around something that literally has no eternal value whatsoever, a ball game. Is it enjoyable? Absolutely. I love it. 
but it has no eternal value. But yet 20,000 people in a moment's time could get united around a game. So why is it so difficult for 200 Christians to get united around the gospel? You know why? Because we don't know why we're unified. Listen to me this morning. We are not unified because the word Baptist is on our church. We're not unified because of the type of Bible that we use. We're not unified because of the way we dress. We're not unified because we're at 1073 New Brooklyn Road. Those all play into it. Those are all good things. But listen, the thing that unifies us here and in the future is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what the verse is saying here is, I'm thankful for your fellowship, not in Philippi. See, Paul could have written, man, I'm so thankful that we could hang out in Philippi together. I mean, I'm so thankful that we can know each other's last names. No, Paul comes to these people and he's like, I'm thankful for your fellowship, your partnership, your unity in the gospel, the blood and the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Paul was trying to get these people to realize that, look, you all might do it differently and you might all like different things, but your unity is not based upon anything but the gospel of Jesus Christ and that alone. So what does that mean for us? What does that mean for us at Open Bible in 2021? It means this, that anybody who can agree with you on the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ, and that if I trust him as Savior by confessing my sins before him, a holy God, that person's going to spend eternity with you. And listen, you may not agree with everything here on this life with them. That's okay. But our unity transcends preferential differences. Why? Because our unity is in the gospel. And there's going to be times over the next couple of months as we go through this process together that our unity is going to be shaken at the core of what it is. There may be people that rise up against us, as the Bible say, that say, well, you know, you ought to find a pastor that does it this way. And, you know, you ought to find a pastor from a certain college. Or, or you ought to find a pastor that fill in the blank. Can I tell you what I want? I just want a pastor to preach this of the gospel and nothing else. I want him to be centered around the word of God and nothing else. Why? Because nothing else matters. See, if you're here today, listen, and I say this in all love, if you're here today because you like the way that we do things here, that's great and I'm glad you like it because I like it too. But can I tell you something? The way that we do things doesn't unify us. Why? Because that can change. It has changed, for crying out loud. Listen, if you're, if you're here because you like the friend that you get to come to church with, that's great. I'm glad you guys get to be together. But listen, friends change. Relationships change. Families change. Buildings change. But you know what never changes? The gospel. So there are never, ever, ever ought to be a time when you or another brother and sister in Christ in this room can go right across the street and lead somebody to the Lord together. And there are ever, never, ever, 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 ever be a time in this room when you can't pick up the phone and call a brother and sister in this room and say, man, I just want to know I was praying for you, praying that the Lord does the gospel work in your life. Why? Because our unity isn't something that transcends everything else. 
death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Number five, and we're done today. Number five, not only the spirit of unity, but number five, the spirit of confidence. Spirit of confidence. Now, here's where Paul's going to drive it home. Because the first five verses, he's giving encouragement, and he's giving love to these people, and he's trying to help them along their way. But then the next verse, he says, look, and that's all great and wonderful, but here's what I want you to know. I want you to know this because you haven't seen me in a while. Paul hadn't been there to visit them in a while. I'm in prison right now. I don't really know my future. But he says, here's what I want you to know, Church of Philippi, baby Christians, being confident in this very thing, that he who began the good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Listen to me this morning, folks. It is Jesus who started the work, and it's Jesus who will complete the work in all of our lives. It is Jesus who said that someday I'm going to send a preacher or a person or attract that person's door so that they can know for sure they're going to heaven. And I started that work in that person's life. And it don't matter what happens between that time and their death, God will be the one directing all the steps in between. And God will be the one taking you step after step after step. And he's telling the church of Philippi here, he's saying, look, God started it, so don't waver now. This is no time to be weak. This is no time to go sideways. This is no time to get distracted. This is the time to be confident in a God who is in control of all of it. Because he began it, he will finish it, and he'll do everything else in between. But here's the problem. Listen, here's the problem. A lot of times what we do is we put our confidence every other place except for in Jesus. And we're really thankful for the fact that Jesus is here and we're thankful for the gospel and we're thankful for the word of God being preached, but we we, we don't put our confidence there. Why? Because some of you have more confidence in the 401k than you do in the Jesus Christ and what he's doing. Some of you have more confidence, listen, some of you have more confidence in your career than you do in the gospel. Some of you have more confidence in your own ability than you do in the gospel. Some of you, listen, in our church even we do this. We put confidence in pastors and in deacons and in Sunday school teachers. Are all those people good? They're great people. But listen, if your confidence for the future of Open Bible is in the people that are sitting in this room, your confidence is in the wrong place, folks. Your confidence has got to be in Jesus and him alone. And when you don't know what to do, guess what? You can still be confident because you know the one who does know what to do. And here's the fact of the matter. So many of us, and I'm preaching to myself here, we're in a place where we're just like, we have this angst in our life in so many areas you know, we don't really know how the economic climate's going to shake out after COVID. And, you know, we, we really don't know how this relationship is going to shake out. It's been, it's been rocky with my wife for a little while. And, you know, my kids, they're, they're not talking to me anymore. And, you know, our pastor is resigned and we're, we're in a place where we don't really know who our next pastor is going to be or, or what the church is going to shake out to look like. And, man, I don't know how I'm going to pay these bills. And this is month number three now. And, I still haven't got that unemployment check, and man, this is, I just don't know. And you see, this is what happens. What we start to do is we start to figure out our own problems. And Paul is trying to encourage these people, and he's saying, look, Philippi, I understand there's some things going on. I understand there's some, some, some unhesitancy there, but can I just encourage you here? 
you got to be confident in the fact that God began the work and he'll complete the work. Nothing, folks, nothing we can do, however smart it is, can outdo God. Nothing we can manufacture, no matter how good we are, can outdo the plan of God. I think of Joseph. I have this written. I think of Joseph, right? Joseph, if you don't know this Old Testament story, he was betrayed by his brothers. He was thrown in a pit to be sold into slavery. Then he was lied about. He was thrown into jail and then forgotten about. Joseph was like all down on his luck. But yet, you know what Joseph said? The moment where everything kind of builds and it comes to fruition and his brothers come to Egypt and they get the food that they were promised. And what does Joseph say to his brothers? He says, look, brothers, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Man, what a guy who has gone through so much, way more than probably most of you will ever go through. I don't think any of you in this room, and I may be wrong, but... I don't think any of you have ever been thrown in jail and just forgotten about. I don't think any of your brothers told your parents that you were killed. I don't think any of you have ever interpreted dreams. If you did, it was probably the wrong interpretation. But you know what? Joseph went through all of that, and he never lost his confidence in the one who was doing the work. Listen, if you're walking around today as a Christian and you're just like, I just don't know. I just don't know. I'm not really sure. I'm telling you folks today, you can rest easy because you can have confidence in the one who does know. The spirit of Christianity is a spirit that we must all embody in order to have the fullness of a life in Jesus Christ. We must give well wishes to each other, grace and peace. We must remember what God has done. We must pray for one another. We must be unified around the gospel and nothing else. And we must have the confidence that God is going to do what God is going to do. Lord, I, I thank you for these, my friends, that are here today. I thank you for this church. Lord, I pray that as Paul wrote in Philippians and as he embodied this spirit of Christianity in the book of Philippians and he showed the Philippians exactly how they needed to act and react. I pray that we would not just hear these words today because, man, this passage is wonderful and walk away thinking, well, that was a nice sermon. But, Lord, I, I pray that we would hear these words today and we would apply them to our lives. Lord, my heart is a little heavy this morning because I, I do believe that as a church we are in a place where you're trying to do a deep work. Lord, I, I believe as a church that these letters to the church, Philippians and Ephesians and Colossians and Galatians and Corinthians and others, they speak so deeply to what we are dealing with right now. Lord, my heart's a little heavy this morning as well, not because I don't trust you for the future, but because I know there are situations in these folks that are sitting in the pews that they just feel are out of control in their own personal lives. But Lord, I pray that you would encourage our hearts this morning. 
I pray that we would leave this place with a different spirit than when we came in here. And I pray this week, as we go throughout our week, day in and day out, that we would understand that we can live life to the fullest. We can be excited, happy, joyous people because God is working. This morning, there's, there's two questions I want to ask as the piano begins to play. I, I have two questions. First, for the unsaved person in the room. Let me ask you, if I talked about at the beginning the grace of God, if you've never experienced the grace of God in your life, if you've never said yes to Jesus, that I agree with Jesus and what he's doing and I, I want to follow him, if you've never said that before, today can be your day you say that. And you can even make your altar a seat there and say a prayer just like this one. Lord, I love you and I know that I'm a sinner and I ask you now in the best way I know how to save me from my sin take me to heaven when I die thank you Jesus for dying for me help me to live for you if you prayed that prayer this morning I want to know about it you can let us know in a connection card or at our next steps booth after the service but for the Christian in the room this morning here's my question for you Do you embody the spirit of Christianity that Paul laid out for us in the book of Philippians? Are you willing to change some things about the way you think, act, and live in order to embody that spirit of Christianity? To give grace and peace, to pray, to be unified around the gospel alone, to have confidence in Jesus. This morning, if you're willing to do that, I pray that you would do this. In a moment, we're going to stand. And I pray that you would just come here to the front or make your pew an altar and spend a moment with God doing whatever it is you need to do with the Lord this morning. Why? Because God wants you to embody the spirit of Christianity in your reactions, attitudes, and lifestyle. for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.